<laughs> the prayer for illumination. Holy God, Scripture tells us that you came to Joseph through an angel, loud and clear, impossible to miss. Scripture also tells us that Joseph listened. He rearranged his life to follow your invitation. God, we long for that, all of that. We long to hear your voice, loud and clear, impossible to miss. We long for invitations to something more, something deeper. And we long to be like Joseph and find the courage to follow. So clean out our ears, brush the dust off our hearts. Trace us back to our roots, back to Joseph, who heard and followed. With gratitude we listen. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 10. The desert and the dry land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. They will burst into bloom and rejoice with joy and singing. They will receive the glory of Lebanon, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the Lord's glory, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and support the unsteady knees. Say to those who are panicking, be strong, don't fear. Here's your God, coming with vengeance, with divine retribution. God will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be cleared. Then the lame will leap like the deer, and the tongue of the speechless will sing. Waters will spring up in the desert and streams in the wilderness. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground fountains of water. The jackal's habitat a pasture. Grass will become reeds and rushes. A highway will be there. It will be called the holy way. The unclean won't travel on it, but it will be for those walking on that way. Even fools won't get lost on it. No lion will be there, and no predator will go up on it. None of these will be there. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The Lord's ransomed ones will return and enter Zion with singing, with everlasting joy upon their heads. Happiness and joy will overwhelm them. Grief and groaning will flee away. This is the promise of God to our ancestors and to us. Thanks be to God.
I love preaching and having young ones right here uh, up front. You know, over the past two years, Covenant has received 30 new members into our roles. Uh, of those 30, 16 are under 18 years old. So uh, Covenant's a church that welcomes children, and uh, we make no apologies for that. In fact, we hold it up as one of our high values, and uh, so we're so glad so glad that you're here. So glad that you're all here. Our gospel reading is from uh, Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off the engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. God with us, born by Mary's flesh, beyond all convention, give us the faith of Joseph to see the Spirit's work where the world sees only shame, to listen to the promise and waken to the cry of life renewed and love reborn through Jesus Christ, the one who is to come. Amen. Our lives are made up of a series of countless choices, most of which go by completely unnoticed. And the sum of those choices is our life. Those choices amount to both who we are and how we will be remembered. How will this generation be remembered? As those who chose courage or cowardice? Now, from generation to generation, there are people in our lives who have shown us what it means to choose a better way. I I wonder who those people are in your life. My grandpa Schultz was someone who showed me what it looks like to choose a better way. He was a righteous man who knew loss and suffering, yet still managed to live a beautiful life. He and my grandma had uh, five children. My mother was the third, sandwiched between four brothers. Uh, Her two older brothers died before I was born, one of a brain tumor, the other in a military helicopter exercise. And ten years after that, my grandmother had a massive stroke, and it upended all of their 
retirement plans. And so instead of retiring into the woods of Arkansas to spend their last days, instead they moved to Ohio where my grandpa learned how to cook, how to clean, and how to care for his now disabled wife. I have these memories throughout my adolescence of every Sunday, Grandpa taking out these uh, portable metal ramps from his minivan and putting them uh, on our steps so that they could come and have dinner with us. In many ways, my Grandpa's life did not turn out the way he had hoped, and he could have chosen the path of anger or bitterness, and yet he lived a life of faithfulness and hope we can choose a better way. After reporting to us his unlikely genealogy that had five women included in it, none of whom we would expect to be in a royal family tree, Matthew gives us his version of the Annunciation and the Nativity, but he does it from Joseph's perspective. We know precious little about Joseph. Tradition has told us that he was an older man, but the Bible says nothing of this. He may well have been a young man. Josephus, the Jewish historian from that time, reported that 18 years old was the ideal age for a Jewish man to marry. So perhaps he was as young as 18, but the truth is we don't know. What we do know is that he's engaged, and he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And Matthew tells us that he resolves to end the engagement quietly because he didn't want to humiliate her. And for that reason... Matthew calls him a righteous man. And that's really, really interesting. Joseph is a righteous man, a just man, because he refuses to humiliate Mary. And yet, his Bible instructed him to do far worse than simply humiliate Mary. Deuteronomy 22 outlines what the community is to do when an engaged woman is found to have been intimate with a man other than her betrothed. It says, you must bring both of them out to the city gates and stone them until they die. Remove such evil from your community. Now in Mary's case, had Joseph chosen this path, presumably you could have only chosen her because there was no man to be found, but However he chose to do it, it is not hard to imagine Joseph choosing a punitive path with Mary and then justifying those actions on the basis of Scripture. I mean, after all, you can read it. Deuteronomy, it's pretty black and white, isn't it? I mean, it's right there. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. But instead, Joseph chooses a better way, a more compassionate way, one that may have put him at odds with his community and put him in conflict with the Bible. He chose not to obey Deuteronomy. And that's what makes Joseph righteous. And so here we have a story in the Bible where a man who doesn't obey the Bible, and then the Bible calls him righteous for doing so. That's pretty cool. It's incredible, really. You see, the Bible is like life itself. It is not simple. To be faithful takes wisdom. It takes compassion, not blind obedience. And Joseph's willingness to live in the gray, 
to not live in the black and white, his decision to err on the side of compassion, that is what makes him righteous. And so it turns out that God isn't looking for people who blindly stand up for the truth. God, stand up for the truth. No, God is looking for people who choose life over laws, people over principles, compassion over judgment. That was true 2,000 years ago, and it is just as true today. We can choose a better way. Our lives, your life, my life, it is full of choices about how we treat other people. Will we choose compassion or will we choose judgment? You can't do both. You have to choose. Jesus' life and ministry demonstrates again and again that mercy triumphs over judgment. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus learned that from his adoptive father, Joseph. So let's get real for a moment. As children, many of us, I would guess most of us, were taught very black and white rules about marriage, about sexuality. Uh, We were taught that marriage is between one man and one woman for life. And anyone who steps outside of that black and white rule at best is foolish and at worst is evil. That's what we were taught. When it comes to the LGBT community, we were taught to choose judgment. Weren't we? We were. But the good news is, my friends, we can choose a better way. One where we put people above principles, compassion above judgment. And I know it can be scary. I know it can put you at odds with your community. It can make you feel like you're betraying what you were taught as a child, it can even make you feel as though you are somehow out of line with God. But what Joseph shows us and what Jesus will learn is that when we choose mercy over judgment, we are always choosing the better way. Compassion is the better way. But we need more than just compassion. Had Joseph simply chosen compassion, well, Mary presumably wouldn't have been killed, but Jesus would never have had a father. Joseph needed courage as well. And to get there, God intervenes through a dream. And so Joseph, like his Old Testament namesake, you remember the one with the technicolor dream coat? Both of them are dreamers. Joseph, in the first two chapters of Matthew, has four dreams, and he believes that all of them are from God, and he obeys all of them. Now, I've heard a lot of sermons in my life, given a few. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon that says, you should really consider whether or not your dreams are from God. I've heard that from Disney, (laughs) but I have not been taught that by the church. And I think the reason that we are hesitant to trust our dreams is because we have been trained to mistrust ourselves. See, most Christians are taught, if you need guidance, you go to the Bible. You certainly don't look within yourself. Yet had Joseph done that, Mary and the Christ child that she carried might well have been stoned. 
Joseph had the audacity to believe that his deepest self was good and therefore can be trusted. And this is, this is perhaps the most courageous thing that any of us can ever do, to trust that our core self is good, that our hearts are good and will not mislead us, but lead us back to God. Joseph learns to trust both his heart and Mary's, and it took great courage and took great vulnerability. By staying with Mary, by raising Jesus as his own, Joseph makes himself vulnerable to all of the whispers that would follow the three of them for the rest of their lives. But far more significant than that, Joseph makes himself vulnerable to a powerful, murderous, narcissistic King Herod. And that's what Joseph stood to lose by staying with Mary. What did he stand to lose? Everything. This is the cost of choosing a better way. So we should ask, was it worth it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it was worth it to him, to Mary, to Jesus, and to every one of us. Without Joseph's courage, we wouldn't be here right now. The cost of love is both courage and vulnerability. And the reward of love is everything that matters most to us. It reverberates beyond ourselves in ways that we will never know. Grandpa Schultz chose a better way. He didn't choose to be bitter or resentful because his life didn't turn out the way that he imagined, but instead, in his old age, learned to cook and to clean and to care for his wife for two decades plus. And those small acts of faithfulness added up to a beautiful life, and his choices still reverberate in my life, even from the grave. So our lives are a series of choices, most of which go by unnoticed, and the sum of those choices is how we will be remembered. But as our prayer confession said, every day we're given a million opportunities to choose the better way, but so often we don't. Too often we choose the path of least resistance. Too often we choose not to listen to those voices on the margins, those who are pleading with us for compassion, and they are met only by our indifference. And so while our choices do matter, the good news of the gospel is that God's choice of us is what matters most. In the end, Your choices, though important, are not the final word. And thank God for that. The story of Christmas is the story of a God who chose the way of compassion, the way of courage, the way of vulnerability for our sake. A God who takes on flesh, who put relationships over rules, mercy over judgment, not just once or twice, but over and over and forevermore, all so that God might be near to us. Beloved, God has chosen, ev- has chosen to risk everything to be near to you, so that in all of your choices, both the cowardly and the courageous, you might know that you are loved with an everlasting love, And there is nothing that God will not do 
There's nothing that God will not risk just to be near to you. That's the story of Christmas. And it's the best news that any of us have ever heard. Let's pray. God of stepfathers and adopted parents, God of angel messengers and newborn kings, we bow our heads today with praise on our lips and joy in our hearts. For who else but you would pick two ordinary people to be God's parents? And who else would, but you would be patient enough to lead Mary and Joseph back to one another? And who else but you would assume the best of our fragile human hearts? There is no one. For you alone are our God. And in your grace and in your devotion, you open the door for us to see a new day. So today we pray, help us, Lord, that we might choose courage like Joseph, who reminds us that grace is within reach. In a world full of competition, help us choose celebration. In a world full of scarcity, help us choose abundance. In a world of war and violence, help us to choose peace and grace. In a world of divided lines, help us choose connection and relationship. In a world of quick assumptions and stereotypes, help us choose compassion and curiosity. We pray for those who have been harmed and excluded in the name of God. We pray for the LGBT community, for people of color, for our Jewish siblings who are facing a rise in anti-Semitism. Lord, may we be a community that chooses the way of compassion and courage, standing in solidarity with all who are in need. We pray for those we love who are in need of your healing presence. For Sarah Cosgray, for William Wallace, for Jason Guthrie, Nancy Cowman, for Patrick, for Bruce, for all those that we have carried with us, whom we lift to you now. And Lord, we give you thanks as well for this covenant community who prayed for a mother and her child's high-risk pregnancy last year. And it is with thanksgiving that the healthy baby boy will soon celebrate his first birthday and is a delight to his parents, his four siblings, and his grandparents. Lord, in all of our striving to choose a better way, may we be transformed. May this story of Joseph rattle something loose in us. May this story help us to drop the need to be right or to be the best or to have it all figured out and instead draw us closer to authenticity 
into you. May this story of imperfection sow grace into our bones. May we catch glimpses of your love in our world. And may we shake the dust off of our old selves and live into something new. It is with hope in our hearts that we pray in the words that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.